It's Friday, September 17th, 2021, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is the Pennsylvania Legacies podcast. Volunteers are out here cleaning up the mess, but just to give you an idea of the magnitude of the flooding, this used to be part of a shed that was stored underneath the Walnut Street Bridge until Ida came through. That's audio from Philadelphia's Channel 6 Action News, reporting on the aftermath of this month's historic flooding caused by the remnants of Hurricane Ida. In addition to five local deaths and untold millions in property damage, Ida also took a heavy toll on the popular Schuylkill River Trail, which, when completed, will extend 126 miles upstream from the heart of Center City into Schuylkill County. The impact was staggering, but Philadelphians rallied behind the cleanup effort. After the storm, volunteers made short work of lingering mud and debris along the SRT at Schuylkill Banks under the direction of the Schuylkill River Development Corporation, which manages the property. We need to get it back in in service as fast as we can because the people in this neighborhood and in the region, it's it's a big asset. It improves their quality of life. This is where I come for outdoor activities, uh, meeting up with friends, using the trail, biking, running. Well, the good news is Schuylkill Banks, at least, is looking much better today. However, other parts of the SRT haven't fared quite as well. Some sections still haven't completely reopened, and officials say it could take months to fully recover. Well, since that chaotic Labor Day weekend, the floodwaters have subsided, and with them, much of the news coverage. So we thought now would be a good time to check in with a few of PAC's trail partners in the region and get an update on conditions. We begin with Rob Armstrong, program manager with the city's Office of Transportation and Infrastructure. So the biggest storm impacts were definitely along the Schuylkill and the Wissahickon, which is the main tributary to the Schuylkill um, in the park system. The park system itself is sort of a, a park system that's based on watersheds, right? It's a little bit different than most other park systems which were built, for instance, in New York City, Homestead, the like. This park system is built around the watersheds, mainly around the Schuylkill and Delaware River watersheds and all the tributaries. So several of the, of the parks and trails are located along the watersheds. So that's why there's so much flooding uh, and so much problems because of because of the issues with, with the flood and where the parks are located in Philadelphia. The main areas that were hit were the Wissahickon and the area along the Schuylkill River Trail in the city. Coming from in from Montgomery County, the Schuylkill River Trail is very high above the river, so we didn't have a whole lot of damage there. Um, but then once you get to the Maniunk uh, Canal towpath, that uh, piece of the Schuylkill River Trail is still closed. Um, it will remain closed uh, into early October. We're hoping to reopen it at that time. The Maniunk Canal and Venice Island, which is, if, if you can picture this, you have the Schuylkill River, uh, you have Venice Island, and then you have the Maniunk Canal. So basically for you know most of the history of the park, um, at least the Canal Towpath, there haven't been floods of this magnitude. The river has entered into the Maniunk neighborhood of Philadelphia, but it is typically not entered um, in where the canal towpath is located. So what happened was the, where the Schuylkill, at the Flat Rock Dam, where the Schuylkill meets the Maniunk Canal and the Maniunk Canal starts, the Schuylkill t- overtopped into the Maniunk Canal and the towpath, which is located just to the edge of the Maniunk Canal proper, was flooded significantly all of the river muck and sediment and mud uh, was washed up on a trail that is essentially a stone finds or cinders trail, which is a lot harder to clear than a paved trail, than an asphalt, bituminous asphalt trail. 
So the problem is, is that, you know, you had both the muck and then you also had the downed trees. You had the trees uh, that were downed pulling up and um, creating a lot of issues with the areas that were where the trail was located, washouts and the like. You also have an issue with the fencing being being popped, basically popped out of the ground, the, the protective fencing that's along the uh, towpath that does not allow people to, you know, ride their bikes or walk into the canal proper. It's an important safety fence. Uh, that was pretty much uh, destroyed. 2,000 linear feet of that um, was, was popped out of the ground and basically either mangled onto the canal towpath or laid onto the canal towpath. We also had a lot of washouts, um, which made the, the trail really impassable. The trail where I'm talking about is, is sort of in a more heavily wooded area of the city above Maniunk. It's a neighborhood called Shawmont. When you get into Maniunk proper, you have a lot of boardwalks and the like. Um, there was damage to the boardwalks as well. And crews are out there working a lot to make it passable. And they, they hope to make it passable, you know, like I said, in, in a few weeks. We also, you know, don't really want people going onto the canal towpath, even if they think it's passable, because there's a lot of muck and mud uh, next to the canal, next to the towpath. People may think they can walk on it, but next thing they know, you know, they're sinking. Um, and I don't think people really realize the power of, of the mud and the muck uh, to kind of suck them. <laughs> um, so we don't want people down there for right now while we're working on it. Um, and we have been working with the Office of Emergency Management in Philadelphia, who is also working with um, Pima and FEMA as well uh, to alert them to the damages. Some of the other um, areas of the city, Wissahickon Valley Park was heavily affected. That also is the Forbidden Drive Trail. Um, that is now passable and that is now open due to the uh, dedication of the parks and recreation staffs and volunteers as well who have worked very hard and the Friends Organization, the Friends of the Wissahickon, who worked very hard to keep that, uh, to, to get that passable and get that reopened. We also had some damage in Pennypack Park um, with some trees that were down that pulled up the asphalt, but that is now passable. So I believe there's been a lot of work over the last uh, few weeks since the storm um, to try to get our trails open and passable, but we still have some work to do on the manual towpath. Yeah, it sounds like the, the towpath has really took the worst of it. Uh, other sections that were closed in the immediate aftermath of the storm, a lot of them appear to have been reopened. But I actually wanted a little a little clarification on that because, as you know, open doesn't necessarily mean passable, and it certainly doesn't mean bikeable in all cases. So, like, what what are the actual trail conditions, uh, you know, looking beyond uh, the towpath section uh, that people can encounter? Is it safe to bike in most places, or are we talking walking only or what? It's safe to bike, but you may encounter um, some muck. And as, as it rains, the muck will continue to, you know, and the muck is mainly made up of sediment, you know, dredged up from the base of the river. Um, the river is a powerful river, as we've, as we've always known, but we saw certainly, um, you know, during the storm. And, um, you know, the, the river, it's depositing, you know, its sediment in areas where it wants to, basically. Some of those are on trails. Crews have been working, but you will encounter um, some segments where there's still heavy sediment, uh, use caution. And I, I just dismount and walk around in the grass um, to get around these areas. But for the most part, um, the Schuylkill River Trail, Schuylkill Banks, which uh, the city manages with its nonprofit partner, the Schuylkill River Development Corporation, that's had a lot of uh, volunteer efforts on it. Um, 
There's also, you know, Bartram's Garden. That's a portion of the Schuylkill River Trail. Uh, that has, a, of course, a wonderful organization, um, the John Bartram Association, which works with the city. So all these places are city assets, they're city land, but a lot of times we have wonderful nonprofit partners that help us um, and help the city to manage the assets because it's too much sometimes for the city to handle um, alone. So the nonprofits are, are truly our partners on all of this, along with city crews. I'm just curious, like when you're talking about the sediment, obviously there's like a physical safety concern. Is there also like an environmental health or rather a public health, uh, you know, aspect to it? Or is the, I don't know what's, what all is in this sediment, but I can imagine some not so great stuff to be exposed to. Should people be concerned about that? I can't really speak to that because I haven't sampled um, what's in all the sediment. Um, but yeah, I would, I would stay away from it. I wouldn't allow your children to play in it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to get it on your clothing if you can. And I certainly would avoid it uh, until crews can get out there and, and clean it up. They've been working very hard. Like I said, they haven't gotten to everything yet, but the places that, you know, like MLK trail and this Kelly drive trail on the other side of the river are fairly clear um, and open for, for trail, trail traffic of running, you know, walking, biking, exercising, commuting and the like. I know that, you know, increasingly, especially in Philly, trails are critical infrastructure for transit for people to get around. So the impact of that is going to be pretty obvious, especially, you know, right after the storm. I'm curious about how the, you know, the city, to whatever extent you can speak for what the city does, how do they prioritize plans, emergency management plans, I guess, to account for people's reliance on trails to get where they need to go? Yes, the, the commuter trails are the priority for the city. They're the spine of the trail system in the city. If it's East Coast Greenway or Schuylkill River Trail, those are the priorities. And the clearing happens on the ones that people use the most, whether it be for commuting or for recreating. The Schuylkill River Trail being down at the Manion Canal towpath is a shame, but fortunately we do have an on-road road detour, which we've already signed. Uh, the signs are in place and we've done some uh, mapping of it to show people how they can get around and also um, did some social media and the like to explain to people how you can get around um, the towpath being closed. There are bike lanes on Umbria Avenue in Maniunk, uh, in Shawmont and Maniunk, and there's um, sharrows on Main Street to get you around from where the trail is closed at Nixon Street and Shawmont Avenue to Kelly Drive and Ridge where the SRT picks back up and takes you um, through Fairmont Park into the city. So, I mean, not to belabor the obvious, but when we talk about climate change and local impacts, this is exactly the sort of thing that we're, we're looking at. This was, yeah. you know, for, foreseeable and there's going to be a lot more of it, I, I imagine. What is the long-term planning w within the city and among the partners for dealing with those impacts as they become more frequent and more severe? Well, right now, the city is working on a trails and side path maintenance plan for all of our hard surface commuting, you know, the, the spine, the network, the big circuit network in Philadelphia, um, which would be your East Coast Greenway and your Schuylkill River trails. And then the trails that connect, the main trails that connect to those two major trunk trails throughout the city. This event will play into how we look at this trails maintenance plan. It will allow us to see that we need to think about maintenance as something more than turf management, trash removal, um, you know, uh, paving length of length of time, uh, filling potholes, the kind of just day-to-day -day maintenance, which I was really focusing on, uh, that we really need to be thinking too about maintenance 
as they arise from you know major storm and climate change events. Um, and so we received uh, funding for that from TCDI through the Delaware uh, Valley Regional Planning Commission, uh, a grant to do that study. And we're in the process of doing it now. And I'm very excited about taking on the challenge of um, you know, working this into that plan as well. Uh, but then long-term, you know, possibly doing a resiliency plan for existing trails, and then also working it into the designs for resiliency of the upcoming trails that are being designed right now. And there's, there's about a dozen in the pipeline right now um, that we're working on. So from from long term preparedness to like immediate short term preparedness, I was just reading about how, you know, the water department, when severe weather is in the forecast, they send their people out and make sure that the storm drains are clear as best they can. I, I'm wondering, is there is there something like that that the trails, uh, the parks and recs folks do? Can, can they do to, to brace for impact or is it just sort of hope for the best and then deal with the, the damage after the fact? The, the parks and recreation department is, is severely underfunded in Philadelphia. Compared to other big major cities that have assets the size that we have in our Parks and Recreation Department, the Parks and Recreation Department land holdings are 10%, over 10% actually of the city's land. However, our budget, the Parks Department's budget and Recreation Department's budget is, um, is, is minuscule compared to other big cities with this amount of assets. Um, I, I think the long-term plan is, you know, we would, we would work that into any long-range, long-term planning for flooding. Right now, there just isn't the amount of staff that can do that because of the vastness of the system. I will tell you this, that very quickly, once we evaluated the towpath, we had crews out there very quickly closing off the eight gateways to the, to the trail. Now, citizens are still you know, going onto the towpath despite us saying it's closed and we're serious um, and we are serious about it. Um, but I do, I do know that your question is more about can people get out and, and sort of shut down the trail system. The trail system's open. It's not, it's not like door, there's doors on it. You, know, you, can't, you can't go and, and kind of like clean out a storm grate. You know, it, it's, it's, and citizens love our trails. I mean, we've found that during the pandemic. We knew it before the pandemic. We really knew it during the pandemic. And we're still in the pandemic. And people really, really love to use our trails. So I don't think we can really, quote unquote, you know, shut them shut them down but i think we should be planning for this type of event to happen in the future and hopefully possibly get more staff you know that's really what parks and recs need more than anything is uh is staff so you talked a little bit about the public information effort and some some resources signage and so on um is there any like one central place that people should be focusing on to stay informed about current conditions where to go and not to go etc Sure, just Philadelphia Parks and Recreation's website would be the first place to go. Um, the communications office is is regularly posting what's open and what's not opening. We have a wonderful um, nonprofit network in Philadelphia that allows us to get the word out. So for instance, um, Pennsylvania Environmental Council, Bicycle Coalition, Clean Air Council, East Coast Greenway Alliance, um, along with all our geographic nonprofit partners are helping us to get the word out as well as the Schuylkill River um, Greenways Alliance in, uh, located in Potsdam. All right. Well, Rob Armstrong, thank you so much for your time and the information. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, the SRT is an iconic feature of Center City, but its reach, just like the storm's impact, extends far beyond Philadelphia proper. Schuylkill River Greenways is the organization responsible for much of the trail system outside Philly throughout the 1.2 million acres Schuylkill River Greenways National Heritage Area. For a look at the bigger picture, we spoke with SRG's executive director, Elaine Schaefer. Elaine, welcome to Pennsylvania Legacies. Glad to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here and to talk about the Schuylkill River Trail. So before we focus on what's going on with the SRT lately, tell me about Schuylkill River Greenways, your organization, what you do beyond managing the trail, and you know, and what is your role with, with the SRT? So uh, Schuylkill River Greenways is a heritage area. Uh, our full name is Schuylkill River Greenways National Heritage Area. Um, we're both a state and a federally designated heritage area. Um, and that, our, uh, basically, our, our mission is to connect people to the river. And we do that in many, many different ways. Um, one way that we do it is by building, maintaining, promoting the Schuylkill River Trail. Because when people get on the trail, they become connected to the river. Um, but the trail is only one of many ways that we connect people to the river. We also have a lot of programming on the river itself. And we are actually the state designated water trail manager for the river. Um, we build access, public access ramps up and down the river. We run programming. We run a, um, Every year we run a Schuylkill River Sojourn, which is a seven-day kayaking trip for 200 people. We do that every year for 20, uh, 23 years now. Um, and we have educational programming, and we um, do a lot of fundraising, getting public and private dollars to invest in water quality improvement uh, programs. So, um, and the heritage area part of it is um, we get federal and state funding to promote the river and its history and its story because it's an important part of our nation's story. It's been, a, a, I imagine, a crazy couple of weeks for you and for anybody that works with trails uh, in near Philadelphia. Can you tell me a little bit about which areas, you know, beyond maybe beyond the city proper, uh, but within your purview, took the worst damage and, and how are they looking now a couple of weeks later? Sure. So something to initially understand is that the trail right now is 75 miles of built trail. Eventually, when we're all finished, it's going to be 120, starting in Philly and ending up in Schuylkill County. Of that 75 that's built, each section is owned, has a different owner and a different um, entity responsible for maintaining. In Philadelphia, downtown Philadelphia, it's Schuylkill Banks. Uh, um, perimeter of Philadelphia, it is the city of Philadelphia. Then uh, Montgomery County has their section. Chester County has their section. We have owned and maintained all of the trail in Berks County and Schuylkill County. Uh, and then there's a small section in Phoenixville that the borough of Phoenixville uh, is responsible for. All of those entities work together to make it a unified trail experience. And we are really the convener of all of those groups. We are the ones that have the website for the trail. We are the ones that have the singular map for the trail. We keep everybody growing in the same direction so that when you're a user, you don't really realize that this is all different people and all different entities. So with that background, I'll share that our sections of the trail that we are directly responsible for, Berks and Schuylkill, did not get as much damage as our counterparts downstream. Um, so we feel very, very lucky. Of course, we did have some areas that are um, quite damaged. There's a section up outside of Hamburg that 
basically got washed out and uh, we just got a quote for it that it's going to cost us $35,000 to fix. Part of what, when you have a trail like this, you know, we own five river bridges. And so you uh, were responsible for the bridges as well. And under one of our bridges, we had a huge um, log jam uh, occur because of Ida. And that's going to cost a very pretty penny to remove. Um, so, so and, and the surface of the trail itself, um, it's passable. People are using it, uh, you know, right now. We opened the day after the storm. We only had to close for one day. But it's not perfectly clean. Uh, we have a ride for the river coming up in a week and a half, uh, uh, which is a um, great fun ride on Saturday the 25th. And we have we have crews of volunteers going out this weekend to spiffy it up and get the mud off. You can ride on it now, but it's not perfect. Montgomery County is still in a massive, uh, you know, kind of assessment and cleanup stage. And I think technically they're closed, although it is passable and many people are using it, uh, as I understand it. But they have asked the public not to go on it while they clean it up. You mentioned costs a moment ago, and I'm curious about like what plans you and people you're working with are making to you know anticipate and be ready to deal with these kinds of events as they happen more frequently and as, as they're more intense with climate change. What's the planning process around that? How do you meet those expenses? How are you prepared for the disaster? And then you know how are you able to recover quickly? Well, in this particular case, um, I think all of these counties have been declared as disaster areas by the president. Um, so FEMA money will be available um, for some or all of us. Uh, and in our case, Brooks County reached out right away, sent us the damage assessment form, said, please, you know, go ahead and fill these out. We'll put in your claim, you know, no guarantees, but we'll see if we can get some FEMA money to, for the cleanup. Uh, and I know Montgomery County is also... Um, actively trying to support their nonprofits and their um, and, and recover themselves um, some of the FEMA help. In but in the longer term, um, you know, not every flooding event like this is going to be a disaster, declared a disaster, and they are going to be more frequent. and And we do have to plan in tra- in the trail planning world, especially river trails. Um, this has to be part of your design. It has to be part of what you what you assume you're going to have to deal with for maintenance in the future. Um, and I will say, I'm not going to say it's easy to get money to build new trail, but it's it's money for building new trail is out there. It's available. Everyone wants new trails. Money for maintaining a trail, practically non-existent. Very very hard to get grant money for maintaining a trail. So all of the organizations that are not government, you know, the government can can make this part of their operational budget. But for us, a nonprofit, um, Google Banks, you know, many nonprofit entities own trails. It is a fundraising, you know, feat, a gymnastics feat to to make sure that you have enough money in your operational budget to cover what inevitably comes up every year. Trees fall, you know, the, the river floods, sinkholes, this, these things are happening all the time and um, it's hard to raise money for. In some ways, you know, given that there's m- perhaps more money available for building than for maintaining, and given that you still have some sections left to build, in, in some sense, maybe you have the luxury of being able to plan and actually build those 
anticipating more flooding and more severe weather. From an engineering standpoint, what does that look like? How do you build a, a flood-resistant trail, you know, physically? I, I mean, this is the $64,000 question everyone is trying to figure out right now. Um, I also am involved with my Delaware County. I'm a council person there. And um, we have section, sections of our trail there that are just constantly getting washed out. And, um, you know, we're, we're at the point now where we said, forget it. We're not building another trail there. It, we have to get some design for elevated trail, boardwalk trail, things that um, will be able to survive flooding better than the, the on-the-ground trail that gets washed away. But as of right now, the right-of-ways are kind of set in stone, like you know where that where it is going to go. It's just a question of how you're going to do it. Well, every trail has its own is, is in its own um, stage of development. But when you're choosing where your alignment is going to be, it, uh, your trails start with a feasibility study. And when you're making those decisions of where it, it's going to be, you take all of this into consideration. Uh, and you try not to go into the areas that are going to be flooded. Now, up until now in history, much of the trail that has been developed up and down the East Coast has been on rail beds. And, um, it, you know, it's so easy to do that. You, you kind of would sacrifice a flooding situation to the ease of just putting a trail down on, a, on an already built out bed. But going forward, when you're putting in trail and it, and it is not a predetermined rail bed, definitely you take these things into consideration. You know, how do I have to elevate in this location? Do I, you know, what type of maintenance is going to be required because of the topography where you're putting it? So as you're dealing with these recent impacts, how are you communicating with your trail users and the public generally about where to go, where not to go? Well, we try every avenue. We have social media, we have, um, and we send out alerts. We have a newsletter, we send out a newsletter. We, ha- we do, do press releases so that it's in the paper. Um, we have a really, really great group of volunteers called Trail Ambassadors. And it's about 80 individuals who, they don't just volunteer once in a while. They make a commitment to spend X amount of hours, a certain amount of hours on the trail every month. And they log their hours in our system. Um, and they have uniforms so that people know who they are. Uh, and they are really, really helpful to us in helping get the word out when when people need to be alerted of the situations. Also in helping us, they're kind of our eyes and ears on the trail. So, you know, we can't be all over every all the time. Um, so, you know, when there's, when there's a hazard that comes up, we hear about it right away. When I think about that and I think about the, the, the huge volunteer turnout with Schuylkill Banks to help clean up there, are we expecting trails work, especially on the maintenance side, to be more kind of crowdsourced to volunteers in the future? Well, I think it always has been, honestly. I mean, my gosh, the High Line in New York City was an all-volunteer effort. <laughs> so um, I think that's always been the case. Um, and people who use the trails love the trails. They, they really do form a connection with the trail, with the other community members that love the trail. We had um, a volunteer day in Reading last spring for a section of trail that really needed a little TLC. You know, when we raised some money and did make and are making a bunch of safety improvements up this section of trail, but our volunteer day that we asked people to come out and really work hard on their hands and knees for hours, we had 125 people show up. So people, they love their trails. They want to be part of it. They want to make, they have like a vested interest in making it safe and enjoyable for others. 
And if people are feeling the impulse now to, to pitch in and help out, they should check out your social media and your website or any particular steps people should take to help out? Yeah, the best way to, to know about it is get on social media. We have a volunteer um, software called Galaxy. And if you get on our website to, and um, click on the volunteer, you sign up and you say what you like to do. I like to clean up. I like to run events. I like to um, table at events. And then every time there's an opportunity, you, you'll get an email or a text saying, we have an opportunity coming up. If you're available, come join us. And that seems to be working out pretty well. Um, Schuylkill River Greenways just this year has introduced a new fundraising drive for what we're calling the Stewardship Fund. And the Stewardship Fund, um, we're going to our you know, longtime donors and our people who are really invested in the trail and seeing it succeed. This fund is going to be um, sort of like a capital campaign, but we're not building a building. We're building a corpus of money to pay for trail maintenance going forward. Because the more that we build, the, our, our expenses keep going up and the, the more the weather changes, they keep going up. So for the long-term future, we'll, we're building up the steward, trail stewardship fund um, and we're, we're hoping to have it um, serve like a capital campaign and get a, a big corpus of money that can, will always be there to give off funding so that we always have a source for maintenance funds. So it's great to have volunteers on the ground, but it's it's even better to have those financial resources in place. Well, and volunteers can't take down trees. They can't, you know, fill up the sinkhole. The big maintenance costs money. Well, Elaine, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. I'm really glad that you're doing a show on this. And, uh, you know, the more attention the trail gets, the better. Elaine Schaefer is executive director of Schuylkill River Greenways. And we also heard earlier from Rob Armstrong with the city of Philadelphia. We did make a few more calls to try and get a sense of trail conditions elsewhere in the area, particularly the Wissahickon and Pennypack watersheds. Unfortunately, we weren't able to include all the information we gathered in this podcast episode. However, you can find more in the accompanying blog post, which is at peckpa.org, P-E-C-P-A dot O-R-G. More information on some of the things we talked about on this episode, as well as all of our past episodes of Pennsylvania Legacies can be found and streamed right there on the website. You can also subscribe via Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player.fm, and really most uh, podcast apps via RSS. Pennsylvania Environmental Council is on Twitter at PECPA. Look for us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, too. And until the next episode of Pennsylvania Legacies, which should be coming your way in a couple of weeks, I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>